What's your iron chariot today? That's the thing I want to focus on. That's it. I feel in my spirit right now, someone's iron chariot is a successful marriage because you've never seen it. Someone's iron chariot is, well, (laughs) we can't stay married forever. These vows are hilarious because your parents are divorced. My parents are divorced. All of our friends are divorced. And we're trying, but who knows how long this thing is going to last. The principles of the iron chariot in your head have been embedded for so long, just like Israel. Well, Judah couldn't overcome the iron chariot, so we aren't either. So they lived in oppression under a thought that wasn't even true. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, back again. I'm just back again, week after week. Fresh content, week after week after week. I am, you guys, so excited about this info. We are, and I didn't even mean to do this. This is all God, all God. We are making the woman series a little bit longer because I got into Deborah. Deborah like destroyed me and I have to, had to do a part two on Deborah. And so I am going to bring it after the break part two on Deborah. It's oh, so good. So good. Okay. Stay, stay on it, Autumn. Stay on it. Okay. So many of you guys are downloading and I see that you guys are really liking these series. I want to give you just a little bit of a teaser. I already know what my next series is going to be. It is going to be so, so good. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it is, it's something that we need. Okay. And the Lord gave it to me. So very soon we might have um, one little one-off in between the woman series and the next series. But look on my socials and you'll be able to see when we announce what the next series is going to be. It's going to be amazing. We are going to fight back darkness with this next series and with this message I'm getting ready to share today. Gonna be so good. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody about it. Okay. Um, what is happening in my life? Okay. So I I was trying to think what, how in the world am I going to share all of these things? I'm not just telling you guys to be healed and to move past and to move on and all of those things. As I have said multiple times this year, we're doing this together. I am doing this with you. I am challenging myself. I made a huge announcement last week about a new um, venture season life update in my life with pastoring the women's prisons. Listen, I'm doing new things too. And you know what? It feels awesome. It feels so good. Last week, I went and did a couple of things that I um, haven't ever done before. And it's so funny. I was, you know, I mean, and these are like small things. Like this is not like, cha- like the prison thing, like that's changing my life. Okay. But I'm talking about, I tried these, this new kind of nail thing for my nails. Like I'm so loyal to the old way that my nails have been done. I don't want to change it. But I've been told this other way is better. And I tried it even though it was new and I'm obsessed with it, okay? I went out to dinner with my husband on our anniversary. We've been married uh, 19 years. I already told you guys that. But we're having this long conversation about what we, we always say, what can we do better next year in our marriage? And we're like in our 20th year, y'all, like for real, for real. It's like for real, okay? And I just said to him... I want to go new places. I love to travel. Traveling in time is my love language. My husband knows this. And he was like, wait, you want to go new places? Because I love our old places. We've gone there for so long. And I said, yes, new places. That is where I want to go. Because he tells me all these weird places. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. But I am determined to do that. We had uh, Mother's Day came up 
and came and went. And I was talking to my children and we were all, you know, they go around the table and they're like, you know, I love mom because of whatever. I love mom because of this. And this, this year was a doozy. My teenage son wrote me a poem, you guys. It was unbelievable. First time he did that. But one of the things that was the theme was I'm so thankful that my mom steps out and tries new things. And here I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I don't ever do that. But their perception is that I do. So I am trying new things, trying new food, trying new everything. I'm like asking, like I'm meeting new people. I'm having lunch with new friends. I've got a new community. I've got a new job. (laughs) And you know what? It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. I don't know. I'm going through a transformation over here. But you know, sometimes I don't think we realize that there is better out there or that different things are actually better than what we've we've done before or you know meeting a whole new group of people and integrating into their lives is is actually pretty amazing because you hear stories of God's faithfulness over and over and over again from a new perspective i'm literally loving this whole new thing but guys it's crazy because i so love the old stuff that I do too. Um, and today I was thinking I had, I have like a hundred stories I could share with you because our life is like a zoo, but I just want to encourage you guys out there. What is it that you want to try, but you're not, what is it that's holding you back fear or whatever? Like, I mean, this new journey that I've just, I feel like saying yes to that, to this new position has really kind of opened the floodgates. I feel like the Lord is saying, just say yes, just say yes. You don't know what's on the other side of your yes. Here I've got a new nail system that I'm obsessed with. (laughs) And I didn't know that that was on the other side of my yes, guys. What are you saying no to when really saying yes could be just a great blessing in your life. I don't know. I'm just feeling the yes right now in my spirit. I'm feeling like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Come on. What is holding you back? Stop complaining. Stop worrying. Stop being scared of the little stuff. Say yes and let God handle what's on the other side of that yes. That's just in my mind right now. I don't know. Anyway, we're all in this together. This is what God's doing in my life. The other day I tried this new food and my husband is looking at me and he's like, what are you doing? Cause I have, I have food allergies and food allergies are scary, but I tried it. I didn't die. It worked. It was awesome. And I thought to myself, I need to say yes to more of this kind of thing. Anyway, loving the yes right now. For those of you out there that are like, mm, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. What if it fails? Well, what if it doesn't say yes? So that's what I'm feeling right now. It's really, I had a lot of other things I could have shared, but I just really feel like that's in my heart. And that's actually what I'm doing in my normal life right now. Okay, that's what's happening in my world. You're like, uh, she just wasted eight minutes of my life, but it's important. It's important. We can get set in our ways uh, really even early as young, as young as 42, like myself, we can get set in our ways. You need to bust out of that thing because there is a huge world out there waiting for you. Okay. After the break, we are going to go into Deborah women, the women series. This will be the fourth week in the women series, but it'll be part two for Deborah. You don't want to miss it. You just don't. Don't miss it, okay? Tell your friends, share, be encouraged by these women in the Bible that are literally rocking my world. You do not want to miss it. Come back after the break. I'll see you in a second. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve, rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. 
you will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back from the break. I, I, I have so much to share with you guys today. Okay, let me give a little recap because believe it or not, it's shocking how all of this stuff actually fits together, okay? Week one, we talked about Esther, okay? We said, I told you, Based on not what I say, but on the scripture, God moves things around for his purpose. Don't be scared if someone is in your position, because in about 2.5 seconds, God can move that person out of the way and insert you. Insert Queen Esther, okay? He moves things around. He makes a way for his way. The second week, we talked about my girl, Rahab, and there are so many amazing things that I've obviously, I wrote a whole book on Rahab. I talked about the strategy and probability that Rahab at that point might have been the only one that God could have used. And he used a biblical harlot to preserve the bloodline line of Jesus. Okay, super important, super important girl. Last week, we talked about Deborah, and I got really annoyed and super annoyed looking through all the commentaries about her because you guys know that I struggle, uh, struggle, no. You know that I study for the information that I put out to you guys, okay? And as I was looking through all these commentaries, all of these commentators basically was making an excuse for why Deborah was chosen, okay? There was 12 judges that God raised up in Israel And they were like, well, no man must have been available. Well, I beg your pardon, because (laughs) Judges 4 is about uh, Deborah and Barak, who was a man. Deborah was also married. So I got real frustrated with hearing the commentaries that I typically really love. And so the whole thing was about be God's unexpected choice, because one of the commentaries said she was just so unexpected she's just, why would God choose her? She's so unexpected. Well, you know what? What is unexpected to God, uh, to man is strategic by the hand of God. It's strategic. God answers to nobody. He is not answering to you and he's not answering to me. He answers to his own character. Okay. He swears by himself. So if he makes a decision and you have a problem with it, you need to talk to God about that, okay? Love that. I was on fire in, internally last week. But I, I had two outlines prepared last week for Deborah. I really, the unexpected thing kind of came out of nowhere. So this is part two of Deborah, you guys. I'm kind of, I love her. Just the more I study, the more I love her. But I am going to talk about maybe something a little surprising this week. I am going to talk about the fact that Deborah helped the entire nation of Israel while she was the judge to confront and intimidate and destroy what was intimidating them. God used, this is so amazing. God used a woman to have courage to stand up and to say, no more, no more are God's chosen people going to be intimidated by people that they can easily overcome. What I want to talk to you about today is destroying, and I mean destroying, walls of Jericho destroying stopping, overcoming intimidation. Now, 
I am super aware that most people would not admit to the fact that they're intimidated by something because, you know, we don't want to walk around saying I'm intimidated by them. I'm, I'm intimidated by this situation. I'm intimidated by this bill that just showed up in my mailbox. I'm intimidated of starting my own business because what if I fail? I'm intimidated by taking that role because what if I'm not what they expected for me to be? I don't want to do something wrong. And really at the bottom line of all of these fears that we have is an intimidation by the enemy to keep us at bay so that we no longer walk in the authority and the freedom that God has already given us. Most of us walk in fear because we have been bullied and intimidated by an enemy that says, if I could just scare them enough not to fully assume their voice, their calling, this position that God's offered them, the enemy is counter God. He is the antichrist. If he can get you to cower to take a step back when God's rolled out the yellow brick road right in front of you. If he can get you to question by only intimidation, he will get you to fear and he will get you immobilized in whatever it is that God has for you. I want to destroy that. I want to destroy that. I lived for years, you guys. You know, when you come out of an abusive situation, you're scared of everything. <laughs> everything is terrifying, you know? Um, dating, oh my gosh. When I met Eddie and he asked me out, I was like, absolutely not. Am I dating you? <laughs> That's just not happening. You're a church guy. Yeah, right. That's what they all say. You want to ask me to come to church? That's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. And it wasn't that I didn't want to go out with Eddie. It was that I was terrified of failing again. Eddie was like a great opportunity for me. And the enemy tried so hard. What if he turns out like your ex? What if he does this to you? What if, what, what if he's lying? What if he's a joke? What if he's all these things? And all of these thoughts of intimidation ruminated in my mind so much and they won for a short time. Luckily, Eddie was not going to let that be the end of us. And he is extremely persistent. Even to this day, he pursued me hardcore and he broke through all that fear and intimidation by saying words like, I am not him. I promise you, I will treat you right. I promise you. And don't take my word for it. Pray about it. Ask God if I'm going to treat you right. That language, the truth busted through the intimidation that could have kept me from my 19-year marriage and my four beautiful children and all the blessings that we've had in between. The enemy wants to hold you back. And I want to tell you, it is time to look at those things that is intimidating you. I know it's a prideful thing to say, yeah, I'm intimidated by that thing, but that's what it is. He intimidates you until you fear. It's the first step before fear. If he can get you with the appearance of defeat, with the appearance that you are never going to have victory over a thing, with the appearance that you're not gonna be successful, he'll get you to fear, he'll get you immobilized, he'll get you frozen, and he'll steal your blessing, period. Okay, let's get to the text. I want today us to learn how to intimidate intimidation. I feel like this is a theme. As a matter of fact, as I was like putting all of this together, I really feel like this is a theme. And that's why we started off the year with lion lamb because, and then we went to fire and like, we, I've been in all of these things and the theme has been the same. It is time to face whatever is making you fail, fall, fear, whatever it is. You put the, the word right behind that. But this is a perfect story. 
story, the story of Deborah, of how to practically do that. Okay. I'm going to share scriptures with you that you have never heard before, guaranteed, unless you're like a Bible scholar, because some of these scriptures, there's one passage I'm about to share with you guys that I was crying and it took me an entire day to process me and my husband, because it was so sobering just to read um, what happened after Joshua died. It's so, so sad actually to, to hear it. So today we're going to talk about intimidating, destroying intimidation, but also intimidating intimidation. I want to go to Judges 4, 2 through 3. Now, this is the scene of Deborah. Okay. This is the Judges 4 is where her story is, is housed in the real estate. Judges 4 says this, then the sons of Israel, again, after the first, second, and third judge died, did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them. Now listen to this. The Lord sold Israel? Scratch my head. What? Yep. That's what he did. He was so frustrated <laughs> with them serving other idols, not listening to what he said. Yes. And the Lord sold them. And actually this language is all throughout the book of Judges. It's kind of shocking. You can read it. I'm not going to get hung up on that, but the Lord sold them, Israel, into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. Okay. Now, what was the promised land? The promised land was named was Canaan. Canaan. So a couple of judges ago, and definitely in Joshua and Caleb's time, Israel was like dominating Canaan, taking over all these cities and all of these groups of people in the land. And all of a sudden, God is like, no, you have made me mad. I'm selling you into the who? Canaanite king, Jabin who reigned in Hazar and the commander of his army was Sisera. Now I read this last week, but we're, I'm going to bring some of these points out who lived in Harasheth. The sons of Israel cried to the Lord for he had 900 chariots and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Okay. Now here we have the sons of Israel recognizing something that they can't overcome. The Lord has said, okay, Jabin, king of Canaan, you can literally oppress my people to get them straight. And that's what the text says. Okay. We want to talk all about grace, but there is a limit with God and it is a loving thing when God says, well, I'm not going to let you do this anymore. I'm just not, I'm going to put my foot down because you guys need me. You don't think you need me, but you need me. And I'm gonna make things a little tough on you so that you can turn to me and guess what? It worked. Why? Because God is a genius. Okay. So he sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king who reigned in Hazar and the commander of his army was Sisera. Now the nation of Israel, verse three was terrified and was scared and was intimidated why? What is the point? For he had 900 iron chariots. Now, having iron chariots is a big deal. A man cannot fight against another man that is riding a chariot that is very strong, made of honor, uh, made of iron, excuse me. It's very strong. And the reason that they were intimidated by this and the reason they were scared is I'm going to tell you we're going back now to Judges 1. I want to tell you why the iron chariots were so scary, okay? Judges 1, Joshua is still alive at this point, and all of the tribes of Israel are going out and they are conquering the people in the land that God had set aside for them. But listen to this. Now, Judges 119, now the Lord was with Judah. Now we know Lion of the tribe of Judah, the whole thing. And they took possession of the hill country, which was allotted them. But they could, listen, not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Why? If God was with them, because they had iron chariots. This is pre-Judges. The iron chariots became a uh, source of doom 
for Israel. So much so that if Judah, who the Lord was with, couldn't drive out the inhabitants of the valley because the iron chariots, then who could? If they had iron chariots, well, it's just too big for God. So this mindset, no doubt, flooded the reason why Israel did not think that they were capable of going up against Sisera because he was the commander of the Canaanite army. And he didn't just have five iron chariots. He had 900 iron chariots. Iron chariots didn't, Judah could not get past them. So what in the world makes these guys think a couple judges later that they could go up against the Canaanite king and win when they didn't have iron chariots and Sisera did. I find this incredibly interesting because we all have an iron chariot, all of us. I have mine, you have yours. A lot of it's based on our past. A lot of it's based on things that we haven't overcome. But the reason that Deborah was so necessary is because Israel was basically terrified. I mean, these are warriors. At this point, Israel were, were warriors. Like they weren't, like when they went into the, uh, the promised land, they had to learn how to fight. And they did. And this is four judges in. So they had fought a lot of people and, you know, all the things. But for some reason, the Canaanite king was not overcomable because he had these chariots and they knew it was almost impossible to overcome because Judah could not overcome the people in the valley because of the iron chariots. What's your iron chariot today? That's the thing I want to focus on. That's it. I feel in my spirit right now, someone's iron chariot is a successful marriage because you've never seen it. Someone's iron chariot is, well, (laughs) we can't stay married forever. These vows are hilarious because your parents are divorced. My parents are divorced. All of our friends are divorced. And we're trying, but who knows how long this thing is going to last. Financial success is someone's iron chariot. Your parents died broke. We're broke. We're in debt. I'm so intimidated by the fear of not being able to pay my bills. I'm just going to resign to the fact that God is not strong enough to give me the wisdom to get out of this financial situation. Finances are your iron chariot. Some of you guys, it is alcoholism, drinking. Well, runs in the family. My dad was an alcoholic. I'm tempted that way as well. That is your iron chariot. It has centered in your mind in such a way. It is preached to you in such a way. The principles of the iron chariot in your head have been embedded for so long, just like Israel. Generations had gone by, or at least uh, two. Well, Judah couldn't overcome the iron chariot, so we aren't either. So they lived in oppression under a thought that wasn't even true. The sons of Israel, verse 3, cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. This could make me cry, because whatever your iron chariot is, it's real. I hate the people that are, I don't hate, I don't hate anybody. Um, I hate the idea. I do hate ideas. When people, you know, say things like, well... I'll just never be able to break free ever because God said, go into the land everywhere. He told Joshua everywhere the sole of your foot touches. I'm going to give it to you. That promise to Joshua was still for the nation of Israel that day, but the iron chariot forced them into intimidation, which led to fear, which led to oppression, 
for 20 years. Israel forgot. And I really think that that's, that's a big thing of um, what I want to talk about the rest of the time. Israel forgot. They forgot two things that allowed them to stay oppressed for 20 years. Two things. Number one, they forgot who God is and what he is capable of. They forgot. And number two, they forgot who they were to God. We can get in a state of oppression so long that the oppression is more truth than the God that we serve and what he says. And this, I believe, is an epidemic problem in our society, in our Christian society, in our culture today. We have forgotten. You have forgotten. Maybe it's you. I don't want to say you because some of you guys are like, it's not me. I love Jesus. And me too. I'm right there with you. But the truth of the matter is there are areas in my life when I do forget who God is, what he's capable of. And I do forget who I am in relation to God. Because of those two things, there are so many victories that Israel could have overcome, but they didn't because they forgot. They forgot who God was and what he's capable of and who they were to God. They were his kids. They were his chosen. Every promise that, he, that God had made, they were privy to. And P.S., by the way, still are privy to to this day. I want to read one of the most depressing, discouraging passages of scripture. But you know what? It is so sobering. Hopefully it wakes us up. They forgot who God was what he was capable of. And I'd even add to that, which is not my notes and what his promises were to them. And number two, who they were to God. And Judges 1, 27. I really do think that this is one of the most discouraging portions of scripture. But I'm gonna read it because we all need to hear it. The heading in my Bible is this, places not conquered because they forgot. Judges 127 says, but Manasseh, tribe of Israel, did not take possession of Beth Sheen and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. So the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. 28, it came about when Israel became strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. 29, Ephraim, this tribe, it's the tribe of Israel, did not drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gazar. So the Canaanites lived in Gazar among them. 30, Zebulun, tribe of Israel, did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nalal. So the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Alab or Akzib or Helba or of Apikek <laughs> or Rehob. I need a medal for saying all of those. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anoth, but lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, and the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anoth became forced labor for them. I'm gonna keep going, almost done. The Amorites forced the sons of Dan. Wait, Dan was a tribe of Israel. The Amorites? That's right. The enemy forced the sons of Dan into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the valley. Yet the Amorites persisted living in Mount Heres and Ajalon and in Shalbim. But when the power of the house of Joseph grew strong, they became forced labor. The border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim 
from Selah and upward. Eight verses, I think. Every one of the verses that I just read tells a tale of a tribe that could have conquered, but didn't. They could have conquered because God told them they could, but they didn't. They could have gotten free and rid the entire land from the Canaanites, but they didn't because the fight was hard. The fight was strong. There were iron chariots there and they were intimidated and it intimidated them into a place of oppression because it was hard. I sat with this passage of scripture for um, like a, an entire day. And as I'm reading all these lands that were, they could have, they could have conquered, but they didn't, they stopped. They just stopped. And eventually you just say, you know what? This marriage thing is too hard. I'm going to done. I'm going to file for divorce. I'm going to get out of this thing. You know, eventually the fight has been so long. I've been fighting for my sobriety for so long done. I am so done fighting and I'm going to give in to the oppression because victory is just so hard to attain. You know, financial freedom. I've been in debt for so long. I can't get my head above water. And I, these are all real things, guys. This is not something to be like, you know what? That's a small thing. This is a huge thing. Not doing it anymore. But when we give in to intimidation and to the oppression that comes as a result of intimidation, we live in a way that we do not have to live, you guys. We live oppressed. When God came to set the captives free, we live stifled. When God says, no, I want you to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to live in a land where opportunity is all around you. Is it going to be easy? No, but that's what I have given you. They gave up. Manasseh gave up. Ephraim, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Dan, they gave up. And they said, nope, too hard. They have iron chariots. And that was a justification in their mind to give up their inheritance. Why did they do that? Because they forgot. They forgot who God was, what he was capable of, what he had promised them. And the second thing is this, they forgot what, who they were to him. They forgot. I, I guess I'm passionate about this because I've lived this. And I'm so mad at myself. <sighs> the last couple of years to me have been like such a, such a year of awakening for so many things. It's so funny when, <laughs> this is not funny. When uh, the pandemic hit, every single thing that I had worked hard for vanished in two days. <laughs> we had a full schedule <laughs> in 2020. I was like, this is going to be our year. This is going to be our year. My word of the year was multiply. And I just didn't know it was going to be like a pandemic multiplying. And I was very prophetic. I just defined it wrong. And it was very hard and it was very difficult and it was really terrible. Okay. But the last three years of my life, God has revealed iron chariots. I'm 42 years old. I don't want to live the rest of my life oppressed by an iron chariot that I can overcome. I don't want the Canaanites in my land. I don't want to leave land unconquered. I don't want to do any of that. It's a loving God who said, yep, I'm going to take every single thing that you, I, you were, I was dangling in front of you or the world was dangling in front of you in 2020. It was going to be our year. And I'm going to take it away so you can face some chariots that have been intimidating you into unhealth in your mind. I've lived this and I feel like the Lord is just revealing so many. This is why this entire year, I want you guys to live free. We, we need to do and destroy this intimidation because why in the world would we call ourselves a Christian if we are choosing to live oppressed? 
Israel chose oppression after Joshua died. Why? Because they forgot who God was, what he was capable of, his promises, and number two, who they were to God. Enter my girl, Deborah, who had not forgot. She didn't forget. She was the one person in the whole nation at that time that God raised up to remind the entire group of people that she was judging who God was, what he was capable of, and who they were to God. Now, Deborah, verse four, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. We talked about this last week. The sons of Israel came to her for judgment. Okay. Deborah was the judge who was about to awaken the Israelites to the truth of those two things. God is so good that he doesn't let us um, be oppressed for too long without giving us an opportunity to respond. Deborah was their opportunity. A woman, what an incredible picture of him raising up a woman. Uh, women who, you know, we, we have to fight sometimes for our place in the room or whatever. Here God raised up Deborah to remind the entire nation, God is who he says he is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is all powerful. He is, his promises are still true. He wants to deliver you. And he also, she also reminded them who they were to him. You are his kids and he will do anything on your behalf if you will just lean in to what he has for you. She went and she summons Barak. Now, I want to make a really interesting point here. Here she's judging Israel. She knows of the oppression, everything I just told you, she's super aware about. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of ba uh, these words, Abinoam from Kadesh, Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go, march to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. Now listen here. She, she was a prophet, and she was also a judge. In one fell swoop, she reminded Barak who he was. You're a thunderbolt. That's what his name means. I told you last week. You're a thunderbolt. You're a warrior. You're gifted. You're a son of the most high God. God is choosing you. He's choosing you to step out. Deborah spoke life and reminded Barak who he was because of God himself. The Lord God of Israel has commanded you, Barak, you, Go, take with you 10,000 men. Verse seven, I will draw Sisera, who they're terror of, iron chariot man, 900 iron chariots, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots, the very thing you're scared of, the very thing you're intimidated by, I'm gonna draw him out with his chariots and his many tr uh, troops to the river Kishon and I will give him into your hand. Listen to what Deborah does in this moment. Barak, you're a warrior. Step into it. Wake up. God is choosing you. He's calling your name. I'm going to bring out all those chariots. God is, she's speaking on behalf of God here. And I'm going to deliver you from this oppression. Those chariots have nothing on me. This is what he responds. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. If you not go with me, we talked about this last week, I will not go. She said, surely I'll go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on this journey that you're about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. I want to make a distinction here. Deborah was not just trustworthy. And this is, I believe I got this from one of the commentaries and I loved it. She was lean worthy. She wasn't just trustworthy. Um, although she was, she was lean worthy. A warrior looked at Deborah and could lean in and on her wisdom and her word from the Lord as a prophet. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, lean 
not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, God, and he will direct your path. The problem with Barak is that Barak was just as intimidated as the entire rest of the nation of Israel. He had the capability to circle up 10,000 warriors, you guys, and defeat to Sarah. But he was just as intimidated as everybody else. He needed a Deborah. So he did not have to lean on his own understanding of what was happening. He could lean into someone who represented God himself at that time in that presence in Israel. Deborah was lean worthy. She was um, a picture of what God wants to be for us. And Barak was intimidated. And I believe Barak is us. Oh, I switched it on you, right? You thought I was going to talk about Deborah this whole time. I think Barack is us. That's what I was getting um, for this message, at least. Barack was intimidated, had the capability of defeating Jabin, the Canaanite king, but didn't. And Deborah, I believe, represents God. Why? What Barack, the thunderbolt, did to Deborah. God wants us to do to him. He said this, I'll do it, but you have to be with me. You have to go with me. If you don't go, I don't go. What does that remind you of? Oh, I remember Exodus 33, 15, when Moses is looking at God himself and God says, you're going to have to go. I can't go with you anymore. These Israelites are crazy and I don't want anything to do with them anymore. And Moses pleads on behalf of Israel. He says this, Exodus 33, 14, we'll start there. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, or he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. Barack us or Moses. And I believe Deborah represents the Lord in this passage of scripture. How do we destroy intimidation? We lean into the Lord like Barak leaned into Deborah. He didn't just rely on her or trust her. He leaned on her. You have to go with me. And you know what the text doesn't say one time. He didn't say anything. It does not say, and Deborah fought uh, the Canaanites. She just went. Her presence was there. God is saying today, in order to destroy intimidation, I need you to lean hard. Just like Barack said, I can't do this without you. You have to admit, listen, I have been trying to do this without you and it's gotten me oppressed for 20 years. And I need to lean into you, lean into your strength. I need to remember who you are. I need to remember what you're capable of. And I need to remember that I am your child and every piece of inheritance I have from you is mine to claim. When you lean into that, unbelievable things happen, you guys. Moses needed that. We're not leaving, Lord. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. Don't lead us up, Lord, without you. And you know what? When Moses sought the presence of God, God went. God went. Deborah went. Verse 13 says this. Then they told to Sarah that Barak, the son of Abimnoam, uh, had gone to Mount Tabor. So someone leaked. So Sarah called together all of his chariots. 900 iron chariots. You know that thing, that chariot? And all the people who were with him from Herosheth to the river Kishon. Oh, snap. It's about to get real. Barak, Deborah, 10,000 men, and Sisera came out to meet him, which is exactly what God said was going to happen with all the chariots 
everything they were intimidated by, everything that they feared. And those 10,000 men had to stare straight at those chariots. And they were with Deborah, who I believe represents God in this passage of scripture because she was a judge leading Israel. They were with her and they were with a warrior and they had God's presence and God's word and God's authority and God's promise on their side. And all Canaan had was chariots. Deborah said to Barak, arise, for this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone before you. That chariot is nothing as God goes before you to destroy it and dismantle it. So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with the 10,000 men following him. And verse 15, they didn't even have to fight. Why? The Lord rooted, just like the Lord rooted the Egyptians when they came after, and you can read this for yourself in Exodus, when they came after Israel, when they were walking through the Red Sea and, the, and Pharaoh's like, wait, I don't really like this. All of a sudden they're coming after him and no doubt Israel is terrified because it tells us in Exodus, oh, we're terrified, we're terrified. The Lord rooted all of the Egyptians and they fell that same day. And guess what? Same thing happened in 15. The Lord rooted to stay and all of his chariots and all of his army with the edge of the sword before Barak and Sisera. Oh my gosh, my Bible is so marked up. <laughs> I can't even read what that says. It basically means Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. Listen, what rooted means is he caused confusion. God caused confusion amongst the Canaanite camp. And here's Sisera with all of his chariots and all this kind of stuff. He caused confusion. He caused them to like, you know, fight each other. He caused them to like, you know, basically he threw the entire enemy army into a mental state of panic. And they started probably killing each other. I'm sure Barak had, had something to do with that. But God had gone before them. He knew the whole time he was going to take care of that chariot. And he did. And guess what? Sisera stepped down off of the chariot. Why? Because the Lord intimidated him. I think I'm going to do a part three on this because I need to wrap this up. I'm going to stop it right there. I literally have probably 30 more minutes, but I'm going to stop it. <laughs> so Sarah gets down off of his chariot and he runs away. He runs away on foot. So beautiful. Why was that even possible? The Lord literally dismantled the biggest enemy of Israel because Deborah knew who God was and who his authority was and his promises to them. And she also knew that they were God's kids. She reminded Barak of that, and together they faced the biggest enemy, and made him stand down. I just don't want to live intimidated anymore. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear constantly, I'm scared. I'm How do we do that? I believe someone out there has forgotten who they are. I believe you've forgotten God's promise to you, who your dad is, who your father is. I believe you've forgotten somebody out there just like they did. I believe you've forgotten. I've forgotten in areas of my own life. But let me be your Deborah. You're called. You're chosen. Every single piece of inheritance that God has given us is yours to claim. You do not have to live oppressed by that chariot any longer. Because the Lord is at your disposal, ready and willing when you're ready to face it. Like Deborah and Brock, they had to face it. They had to go down. They had to go face uh, Sisera. They had to face the chariots. But when they did, and as soon as they did, Sisera stepped down off that chariot because he knew 
the power of God was at work for them. I want you to remember who you are. And I want you to start naming your chariots. Name them. What are they? And then once you name them, I want you to tell those chariots two things. My father, God, owns you. Step down. Number one. And number two, you don't have power over me anymore because I am his kid. Stand down. Lord, we love you today. Your word is like medicine to me, Lord. It's so medicinal. It's healing. It's freeing. It's like, it's salve to my soul. What a beautiful. picture of freedom you've given us. Father, I just pray for, I pray for those who've forgotten. They've listened so much to the news, social media, literally entertaining, ugh, junk that is making us forget who you are and whose we are authority we walk in because of that. Free them. In the name of Jesus, free them. Have them lean hard in and on you. Remind them, God, only you can do it. God, I I study, but that's it. Spirit of God, you've got to do what I can't do, Mike can't do, Jess can't do. We cannot do it. God at work, Spirit. Free them. Just like Cesara stepped down off that chariot. We need to dethrone some of these commanders of the armies of our enemies. And God, we need you to do that. Give them the courage to walk in whose they are and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that was really long, you guys, but I just loved it. And I love you. And I hope this is freeing for you today because it definitely was me as well. Um, I'll see you right back after the break for a super, super, super quick closeout to what we're talking about today. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Autumn at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. 
Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting automiles.com. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. I know that was lengthy, but you know what? I felt the spirit of God on that iron chariots. Ugh, man, I'm gonna be thinking about that forever. Okay. Um, we have a testimony and a question from y'all out there today. I waited for many years. This is a testimony after my divorce to be happy with my life again. 17 years they waited to be happy with their life again. God has given me more than I lost. My future is bright. I have a new house, a new job, new friend. This goes right along with what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Wonderful things are still to come. I just know it. God is good. Thank you for sending that. You know, sometimes when we go through something as devastating as a divorce, you kind of think, am I ever going to be, this was so hard. Am I, is God ever going to restore? And it's so exciting when I hear of someone that God has literally put their life back together and made it better. That's exactly what he did for me. Ex precisely what he did for me. He made my life better. Okay. I have a, a question from one of you guys. Let me get to it really fast here. I need wisdom and advice for children. Both of my children have run away from God. I raised them and we always trusted God. And it feels like I failed as a mom. How do you not feel like a failure when your kids walk away from God? You know what? I would say to you, I was a kid that walked away from God. Me. My sister, God bless, she'll, she'll love me sharing this, was someone that walked away from God. My brother was also someone that walked away from God. All three of us had our moments. Or, or years, let me just say that, years. And I remember, you know, my parents raised us right, we were in church, you know, the whole thing, the whole whatever, and we all three for a season chose the world over the things of the Lord. But you know what? It was the best thing that ever happened to us. And I know that's not what you want me to say, but I want to give you the perspective of your kid that is wayward at this moment. My parents never stopped praying for us ever. Every time we called to say, you know, whatever, we needed food, we needed money, whatever it was, they were there. They didn't preach at us. We always knew like their looks would preach at us, but they refrained from saying what they wanted to say. And so somewhere in me, when I was, you know, living the things of the world, I knew if I came back. I would be welcome. And I just want to say from the perspective of a child who has made a bunch of horrible decisions, when I chose to come back to the Lord, and actually I got saved and then my life completely changed. When I realized how I was living, they were there to receive me, just like the prodigal son's dad. And I would say, pray for those kids constantly. Wayward can be temporary. Get on your knees, fast, pray for them. The Holy Spirit can accomplish more than you ever will. And I know that we don't want to hear that, but that is factual. Let the Holy Spirit, release them to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work on them. And I'm telling you what, I'm so glad my parents did that because I'm, I've been sitting here where I'm I've been sitting for a long time in a right relationship with the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. My parents weren't failures. You said, how do you not feel like a failure? My parents weren't failures. They were very successful <laughs> in raising us. They did everything that they could, but we have free will. Just because your child has chosen a different lifestyle doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It means they have free will and they can choose how to live their lives. But as a good parent, hit your knees for those babies and see what God can do. 
see what God can do with him. Okay. I hope that encourages you today. Okay. I'll be back next week with apparently part three of Deborah. I'll see you next week. Man, this woman series is going on forever. Love, love, love. I'll see you next week. And it's going to be good because I already have my notes done because I was going to tell, <laughs> tell you all about it today. Have an awesome week. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.